Welcome into TYT's The Conversation. I am hosting today, Adrian Lawrence, as you likely know, and I am now joined by The Daily Show co-creator, also the founder of Abortion Access Front, Liz Winstead. Thanks for joining us, Liz. Thank you so much for having me, Adrian. And I'm sure you are extremely busy right now, especially given all the shenanigans that are coming out of the Supreme Court, largely based on what we've seen in Texas with this six week abortion situation. Can you please give our viewers a sum of what has all of this been about? So it's all been about it's oppression and misogyny and patriarchy, but Texas has tried its darndest to make sure that reproductive rights, health and justice are destroyed as we know it in the state of Texas. And this latest scheme has defied even the most cynical of those of us who have been working in this area for a long time. You know, We've watched them come up with a million different ways of having abortion conspiracy theories like abortion reversal. And so when I heard that the Texas legislature had proposed a law that would give any deputize any human being and put a $10,000 bounty on a Texan who was pregnant trying to have abortions. Even my cynical heart said the Supreme Court will in no way allow this to stand. It's clearly unconstitutional from every angle you could possibly come at it from. And yet there it was. And the end results are. People are terrified to practice. People don't know that abortion is still legal in Texas. Desperate people in Texas, poor people, people of color who are affected the most by oppressive laws are trying to find places where they can have procedures. And when you look at sort of the landscape that is Texas, if you go to Oklahoma, there's a 72 hour waiting period. Arkansas has jumped on the bandwagon of trying to do a copycat law. And so, um, activists from around the country are desperately trying to help people out. One thing that people need to understand is you can help somebody in Texas access an abortion outside of the state of Texas because Texas can't uh, create laws outside of its own state. Um, the federal government is trying to come up with ways to um, curb this law, but I, I honestly don't know how they're going to do it. So. Aside from somebody stepping up and being a plaintiff and trying to get somebody to access the care they need, um, us flooding the court system with pressing charges against Ted Cruz's wife and Greg Abbott and every other person I can think of who is causing Texas to be a hostile space to have a child. Um, and then in turn, maybe having people consider um, terminating pregnancies, maybe we hold them accountable. You know, everyone's trying to come up with creative ways. Um, to shut this law down and prove it's that it's the unconstitutional garbage that we all know it to be. And it's so incredibly interesting too, because we know that Texas legislature came up this with this creative way to essentially punish and stigmatize individuals who have abortions that begin at approximately six weeks of pregnancy. And so it put us all in the position to figure out how are we going to combat this. And so, you know, I think a lot of people when they hear that abortions are essentially effectively banned in Texas and that we have all these other states modeling their laws after Texas, a lot of people think, oh, it's okay, it doesn't impact me. But 
But what do you, what is your thoughts on why people should really oppose this abortion ban? You know, even though they don't think it directly impacts them. Well, I think that I I, I feel bad that we live in a country where people can look at um, this large state of oppression and think that it doesn't affect them because if it's affecting your fellow human, it's affecting you. And so any law that a allows and deputizes the government or private citizens to take control ownership and of another person's healthcare choices and especially ones that are legal in this country and that have been held up by the Supreme Court, that should terrify you. If you don't see how it affects you, eventually it will, you have your head in the sand. But I think that also, I think people need to understand that all we have is what's inside of our skin, right? Our humanity is what we should have and should be able to have control over. And so to have this brazen dehumanization of people, it's 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 a terrifying path with which we are going down. And it's time that we all understand and stand up and fight it. And you know, people don't even know they're pregnant at six weeks. And the cavalier nature with which Greg Abbott, the governor of Texas, said yesterday, someone asked him, you know. How does this affect somebody who is impregnated in the cases of rape and incest? And he was like, rape is bad. And also you have six weeks if you are if you get pregnant from your rape. And it's like, I mean, does he actually think that only rape occurs the first day of your last menstrual period? I mean, like, what is he even saying? It's so absurd and so callous and so cruel that um, I, I don't even know where to begin. Mm-hmm. No, this misogyny, it's surreal, this thought that you know my body better than I do and science does. And uh, the fact that it just, it's its wild out there, these thoughts. In addition to uh, the impact that an abortion ban will have, uh, it was the, what I believe it was the Institute um, uh, the Institute for Women's Policy Research, how they said uh, Texas abortion ban, it's gonna result in $15 billion in economic loss for women and businesses in the state of Texas. And so there's a lot of significant loss here, in addition to women um, women and people who bear children, their right to lose really the opportunity to control their bodies. And so if you could help viewers really fully understand the bigger picture of all that is going on and what we are losing by virtue of Texas's ignorance. Well, and I, I think that oftentimes we forget that deciding whether or not you wanna have a family um, and your capacity with which to have that family is your first step to your own self-determination, um, spiritually, economically, and all of that. You know, I, I find it so interesting when people are like, Women don't care about um, abortion, they care about economic issues. And one of the, the, the biggest economic issue that women take on is how do I um, and, and will I and how do I uh, financially have a family that can thrive and be healthy. And so the larger scope of all of this is you're taking away a gigantic decision that people make that will guide the rest of their self-determination. And if we can't fundamentally understand what's at stake for that person, and then in turn, like you said, for the state of Texas and for states that will put up massive roadblocks to the economic future of people because it's 
cut them out of the marketplace, the workplace, the power structure, the corporate structure. Um, this is where we're at. And there's so many of these abortion bans that are already in place that have started to do that. When you look at waiting periods, which more than half of our country has a waiting period on abortion, which means you have to wait 24, 48, 72 hours before you can have the procedure because the state has decided that women haven't made or thought enough about the decision they're making. And what that does is it sets up a societal standard where we say, we don't trust that women are gonna make good decisions about their own healthcare and families. And that's gonna expand out past reproduction. That means that if we decide as a society, we don't trust women to make decisions that are good and we have to have them wait and think about it because they're just irrational, that's gonna transfer into workplace. Do I wanna hire this person to run my company? Do I wanna hire this person to be here? And all of a sudden we have created a substandard humanity for those of us with uteruses and we really need to take stock of that. Absolutely. And so individuals who want to get involved and to help individuals who are impacted by this Texas ban, what should they do? So I think the best thing that you can do right now is go to my organization, Abortion Access Front, abortionaccessaafront.org. And we have, go to our, um, our, our volunteer page and our resources page, and it will list all of the places in Texas that you can help that are actually fighting back, the list of places you can donate, um, and a list of things that Texans and people who work in the repro space in Texas have asked us to relay to our people of what they need. If, if, there's, if you're a person who has had an abortion and would like to tell the Supreme Court that you value that, there's a brief that you can sign on to that will go to the court at wetestify.org. So if you want to say, my abortion has made me a better person and has given me opportunities, you can sign on to that. And also write your Congress people and say, sign on to the Women's Health Protection Act, because that will codify Roe v. Wade into our, into our federal laws so that abortion will be protected on a federal level. That is so incredibly important. Thank you so much for that. In part because this dire desire to control predominantly women as individuals with uterus, we see it happen every day and we're gonna continue to see it until people essentially stand up and speak up even if it doesn't necessarily directly impact them. So thank you so much for joining us, Liz Winstead. Daily Show co-creator, also founder of Abortion Access Front. We really appreciate all the work you're doing. Appreciate you just highlighting the work. Thank you. Thanks, Liz. Welcome back to the conversation. It is Adrian Lawrence and we are talking more Texas as far as it goes with abortion access. And we'd like to welcome an executive director of Sister District. That's a woman led organization, grassroots, and it builds democratic power in state legislature. Welcome in Lala Wu. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us. And right now it's such a tumultuous time right now as it concerns abortion access. We saw Texas putting down that six week abortion ban and the Supreme Court essentially doing nothing at all. But I know that you say that the fight for reproductive rights, it starts in state legislature. So I guess enlighten us, please. Absolutely, we are seeing this is the latest ban out of Texas and it is the most extreme ban to go into effect. 
um, in the entire country. But we already know that there are other states that are looking to enact other similar legislation like Florida, Arkansas, South Dakota. And what we know is that the policy that really impacts people's lives, like this abortion ban, so often come from state legislatures. Although what we talk about a lot is on the federal level, we talk about Congress, we talk about the presidency. The policy that really impacts people's lives where the rubber hits the road is so often takes place in these state legislative state house chambers. Yes, and as you've observed, the fact is that we have a lot of Republican officials in GOP led states, Arkansas, Florida, South Carolina, South Dakota. They've already suggested that they're going to do a copycat of Texas legislation. While we have states like Kentucky, Louisiana, Oklahoma, and Ohio that are also expected to do the same. So I guess what should we take away from this situation? Because hey, we have representatives who are representing the people. Is this what the people want? No, it absolutely is not. And I think that your question brings me to a really important historical contextual point, which is how did we get here? Uh, this, these are the kinds of laws that people don't necessarily want, the majority of voters don't want. But what we are seeing is that because of Republican gerrymandering that occurred primarily in 2010 as part of a scheme called Red Map, um, the Republicans were able to essentially moneyball state legislatures, which are the entities that cover that are responsible in most states for redistricting, and they were able to gerrymander themselves into power. And essentially what all of that means is that for the past 10 years, Republicans have been in many states sitting in extremely safe seats where they have not needed to be accountable to their voters. So we've got states like North Carolina, Wisconsin, Ohio, other states that you mentioned, where the voting populace might be about 50-50 Democrats and Republicans. But then when you look at what the congressional delegation looks looks like when you look at what the state house delegations look like what you actually end up seeing is maybe something like 60% republicans 40% democrats and in the because these republicans are in these safe seats they're not passing the kinds of laws that we want to see. And so we really need to focus on figuring out how to change this, how to win how win back majorities in these state houses so that we can roll back these laws that were implemented by Republicans and put in place what we know is free and fair and will move society forward. So essentially it seems that what you're suggesting is that Republicans used illicit means to essentially create this situation, pass these laws. And now essentially the people need to do something to step up to change this so that their voices are heard. And the laws that are passed are truly reflective of the people in these states or in these jurisdictions. And so to that end, can you help our viewers understand when is the best opportunity for them to make this change? Absolutely, the time is right now. In fact, the time was probably 10, 12, 20, 30 years ago, but the second best time is now. And so we've got state legislative elections coming up this November in 20, 20, what year is it? In 2021 in Virginia, where we need to defend the majority there. In Virginia, this is a great example of how state legislatures matter so much. 
is that 10 years ago, it used to be a red state. But we, Sister District, my organization, as long as well as many others, were very grateful to be part of the coalition that brought in a blue wave in 2017, that then sealed the deal in 2019, turning Virginia into a blue trifecta state. The governor and both state houses are blue. And as a result, they were able to get all kinds of progressive legislation passed, not just on expanding abortion access, but also voting rights, ending the death penalty, the list goes on and on and on. So the time is now. My organization, Sister District, is a great place to start, but there are others as well. You can come to us, it doesn't matter whether you live in Virginia or anywhere else. There are ways that you can support by volunteering, by donating, by supporting state legislative candidates. Candidates. And as we look to 2022, there's even more work to do. And where Sister District is eagerly watching right now the redistricting process that is happening in each of these states. As I mentioned, it's usually controlled by state legislatures. And then we want to make sure that once the redistricting process is done, we'll be selecting races and districts for endorsement that give us the best shot of winning majorities, stemming the tide against this Republican onslaught. What is your kind of, I guess, your feed, so to speak, on essentially the federal government and whether it can step in and what it can do to ensure that abortion access is maintained. Yeah, the federal government could and has the power to step in, has the power to codify Roe v. Wade and make it the law of the land across the country. But as we've seen in the fight for voting rights, which I dare say is actually quite a bit less controversial than reproductive rights, we haven't been able to get there. And you know, we've got Senators Manchin and Cinema who are preventing any reform or change or alteration to the filibuster, which has stymied our voting rights and gerrymandering reform prospects. And the same is true here. And so although Biden and others have tepidly said, yes, would love to you know, try to codify Roe, the political reality, unfortunately, is that it's very unlikely to happen. And then we looked at the Supreme Court and we looked to see that, oh, the Supreme Court in the past has vindicated our rights. Well, we should actually be taking a hard look at whether the Supreme Court has ever really been doing that. Of course, we always think about Brown v. Board of Education and think about it as, oh, so many wonderful things have occurred. Yes, that case was really remarkable and trailblazing. But actually, much of the court's jurisprudence in the past, you know, in the time of its existence, has not been in favor of vindicating our rights. And now, Certainly it's not going to. With three Trump appointees, with Gorsuch, with Coney Barrett, and with Kavanaugh on the court, they are really poised to not vindicate our rights, but in fact do the opposite, which is take them away. And I, you know, your viewers probably know about the Mississippi case that the Supreme Court is going to hear in a couple months, that the Supreme Court would have had no reason to take up except for it to be a direct challenge to row because this case is the Dobbs case in Mississippi is clearly in violation of Roe v. Wade. And the only reason to take it up is if they were interested in questioning the precedent of Roe. Absolutely, as a lawyer, I can tell you that the Supreme Court could have just said, hey, no, we have precedent, let's stand on it, that's done. But by virtue of the fact that it did nothing with this Texas case and also that it accepted the Mississippi case tells you 
It is uh, welcoming the invitation to make some change. And based on what we've seen so far, that change will not be positive. Um, and thank you so much for bringing up Brown v. Board. That is such an impactful case in part because I'm a huge Earl Warren Chief Justice and making those changes and giving us a lot of the civil rights laws. And a lot of people don't realize though that Earl Warren and his court strayed entirely from precedent and they flipped the switch. And so courts can do that and say it's a reflection of our current society. And unfortunately, the court that we have that stands before us, as you've noted, with those three Trump appointees, it may be flipping the switch the other way. And we have full indicia that that indeed will happen. So I know your organization, Sister District, does a lot in terms of change. We have about maybe two minutes left in our conversation. And I would love for you to be able to tell people what more they can do and also how Sister District can help them do it. Absolutely. So Sister District builds progressive power in state legislatures because as we talked about at the top of our conversation, it's really where the rubber hits the road in terms of policy. And the great thing about state legislatures is unlike other types of races or organizations you might get involved in, these state legislative races are quite small and they're able, you're able to make a pretty big impact, an outsized impact for how much you want to put in. So if you've only got $20, 20 minutes to give, your dollar and your hour will go further for state legislative races. And what we do, our cornerstone field and fundraising program is about 50,000 members all across the country organized into local teams. And then we so-called, so quote unquote, sister up our teams with two to four candidates per year for support. So for example, you know, I live in San Francisco and last year my teams were supporting two candidates in Arizona and two candidates in Texas. This year we're supporting three candidates in Virginia, where we've got some very important elections happening. And our volunteers are making phone calls, writing postcards, sending texts, raising money. All of this is incredibly important for helping these candidates win, and it makes a gigantic difference. You know, this year, last year, we made an average of 34% of our candidates' phone calls. We raised an average of 10% of our candidates' donations. So we are always looking to make that kind of outsized impact. And so if you come check us out, you'll have a welcoming community as well as a way to make strategic change. Fantastic, thank you so much. Lala Wu, Executive Director of Sister District.